everyone, it's Alice here with another episode of Poetry Says For You. This is one of those episodes that I've started recording like six times. Uh, There's no reason for me to be overthinking it this much. I just have been being very critical and I've moved rooms maybe four times. I've moved from my office to my bedroom where I currently am with my cat who is sleeping. So I'm going to focus on how cute she is and stop worrying about the quality of this episode. I'm feeling a little Bo Burnham inside flavors of. Uh, Yeah, I've got so many thoughts about that special. Ask me, ask me for my takes. Um, But that has nothing to do with poetry. I've been thinking about what to talk about this episode and thinking about where Melbourne's at, where the people of Melbourne are at, Yeah, I'd say the vibe out there is combination determined, tired, grumpy, and maybe just a tiny bit optimistic, just as of today, mainly because we have had sunshine for two days in a row, and that always changes the mood. Um, Yeah, so I don't know. I think we're going to make it to the other end of winter. I think so, without something catastrophic happening. Fingers crossed. But uh, yeah, not everyone's down for another Melbourne winter and one of the people who is moving away is my little brother who's taking his family up to Brisbane, finally fulfilling the dream of living in a place where you don't have to wear shoes all the time. You can just put some thongs on. It's much easier when you've got a four-year-old and a newborn rather than fighting with them about putting a cardigan on every time you leave the house. And yeah, so he's he's moving away and he has always been here the whole time I've lived in Melbourne. He got here five years before I did and coming down to visit him when they lived off Nicholson Street in, uh, I guess, I guess that counts as Brunswick, Brunswick East. Um, yeah, I just, oh, I so wanted to come down and live here with them at the time, but life just didn't allow for it and yeah I've been really lucky I've had 10 really wonderful years of being here living in the same city as my brother watching his kids grow up a little bit and getting to look after my nephew and yeah now it's a new chapter and they're going to go up to Queensland and be warm and that sounds really good (laughs) and I can't wait to visit them when I'm allowed to so Yeah, thinking about all that and feeling all the feelings around all that, I was thinking about when my brother got married to his his now wife and the fact that they asked me to write a poem for their wedding and I declined. I did not write a poem. I found another poem to read at the wedding and I guess I can't really remember my thought process at the time but I remember it being a very immediate no I'm not gonna write a poem for your wedding not because I had any bad feelings about the wedding itself at all it was just like I don't know it didn't feel like something I was up to and honestly if somebody today said to me could you write us a poem to read at our wedding? I I would still decline. (laughs) Not that that invitation has been forthcoming. Uh, It's not something I'm dealing with. But yeah, I would say no. I I would go somewhere else and find another poem. 
and that's exactly what I did. Um, I went to the, the family canon to my my great uncle, John Blight, Jack Blight, either or. And my dad and I scoured the collected works of John Blight to try to find a poem that wasn't incredibly depressing to read at the wedding. And God, I think I think we found the only poem that he ever wrote that isn't just like deeply sad. So I'm going to read this for you now. This is the poem that I read at the wedding and I have my little penciled note here on the page. Apparently to introduce it, I said, this is a poem by my great uncle, John Blight, who wrote a lot of poems about the sea. Oh, it was a beach wedding, worth mentioning. I like it because it reminds me that there's beauty to appreciate everywhere. So the poem's called And About Phosphorescence. The round tank of the ocean reaches far as the eye can see and contains every star and the image of the moon. They are constantly filling it with light, swirl in awe and their phosphorus glows. Step ashore and slap the wet sand and once more a repetition of stars. They have been filling the ocean with light all their light years. A potion of time and starshine the sea is. The notion of night at sea as dismally black is a joke. Not since phosphorus the morning star first woke has there been any cessation of light pouring into the ocean. It is just as bright in its fastest deeps where fish seem alight. So it's a sea sonnet. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's an appropriate poem to have read at a wedding, but that's what I did. Um, yeah, all my great uncle's poems were pretty dark and sad and... I think the message in that poem of there has never been any cessation of light is is an interesting one to bring to a wedding. I don't know, it just seems like such a conundrum to pick a wedding poem. I think there's an image of what it is to read a wedding poem that many of us might know if we are fans of the TV show Sex and the City, or if you've ever even watched it, you probably have seen this moment where Carrie has been invited to write and read a poem for her friend's wedding. And yeah, I think I had in my mind that if I wrote my own poem, it would end up a little bit like this one. And now we have a very special treat. One of my favorite writers, Carrie Bradshaw, has agreed to share a poem that she wrote for the occasion. Oh, give it up. As I made my way to the microphone, I could only think one thing, dead woman walking. <clears throat> His hello was the end of her endings. Her laugh was their first step down the aisle. His hand would be hers to hold forever. His forever was as simple as her smile. And suddenly it hit me. Two people were committing to a life together and I couldn't even get a guy to be on a card with me. He said, 
She was what was missing. She said instantly she knew. She was a question to be answered. And his answer was, I do. I had no choice but to embrace the moment and try to pass off my tears as tears of joy for the happy couple. There's kind of a sense in that scene and in the episode in general, the conundrum that Carrie's faced with, it's sort of twofold. The bride, the friend of Carrie, seems to think anything Carrie writes is going to be great and appropriate because really any poem is a good poem for a wedding. But Carrie freaks out about it for the entire episode because what do you say? And I think also she doesn't have a huge amount of belief in the couple I think they set it up as a couple that haven't really known each other for very long. So yeah, Carrie has to sort of sum that all up and sublimate her feelings of doubt to put the poem together. And it seems to go over fine. They play it off as, as if it goes over fine, except for the phone call. But um, yeah, what is the role of a poem at a wedding? Is it to add some kind of literary gravitas or magic to the event? Is it to make the event seem bigger and more significant? Is it to communicate what the person who's been asked to read the poem actually feels? Do they get like a special little comment on the wedding? Or is it even a kind of spell to keep the couple together? And I guess these questions apply to a lot of different contexts like why do we have a poem at the inauguration of the US president Uh, why do we read poems at funerals funerals and weddings is kind of the only place that a lot of people will encounter poetry so that made me wonder are they modern stand-ins for prayers almost we probably wouldn't read from the bible anymore but we'd happily read some roomy. But what I think is really interesting about this is if you are asked to read or to write a poem, there's often a bit of distance between what you really think and what you really want to express and the poem that ends up getting chosen. I think this is a space of compromise when we come to poetry because let's face it, there are almost always complicated things going on in the lead up to a wedding. Even if it's just that you're resentful that you've got to travel really far (laughs) to attend the wedding, you know, you might be grumpy about that. But yeah, maybe your friend's getting married and you don't think they've chosen the right person. Or maybe the families don't get along super well. You know, there's always just a little bit of like drama in the background there. And the poem, I feel like, almost has the heavy lifting of it's going to make all that okay it's going to smooth those edges and so it necessarily has to be a poem that has simplicity at its core and I started wondering about what are the poems that people most often reach for when they're asked to do this so when you search for wedding poems uh, nobody uses the word the proper definitive word for a wedding poem and I'm only going to use it once here because it's impossible to pronounce epithalamion sure 
I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, we're just going to stick with wedding poem. Uh, I had to Google that again. That word does not stick in my head at all. What are the suggestions that people end up with when they search for wedding poems? Of course, immediately you land in listicle space of the internet. Uh, and one of the ones that is mentioned at the top of a lot of lists of popular wedding poems is the poem by E. Cummings, I Carry Your Heart. And this is so popular that it ended up being used in a scene in the movie In Her Shoes, which is Cameron Diaz and Tony Collette, a movie about siblings, a movie about sisters. And in the movie up until this moment, Cameron Diaz has been sort of a walking catastrophe, but also secretly learning to read through volunteering at a nursing home. So this is her big reveal moment where she can suddenly, not only can she read at all, but she can read this, this poem. And now... A very special moment, young lady. Uh, this isn't in the program, because it's a surprise. I surprise Rose a lot. Uh, usually she hates it. Uh, I think, well, I hope, she likes this. It's a poem by E.E. E. Cummings. For you. I carry your heart with me. I carry it in my heart. I am never without it. Anywhere I go, you go, my dear. And whatever is done by only me is your doing, my darling. I fear no fate, for you are my fate, my sweet. I want no world, for beautiful, you are my world, my true. Here is the deepest secret no one knows. Here is the root of the root, and the bud of the bud, and the sky of the sky of a tree called life, which grows higher than the soul can hope, or mind can hide, is the wonder that's keeping the stars apart. scene i i stand behind it it's soppy for sure but um i think it's a good film that in her shoes just putting that out there so yeah e. e cummings features heavily on these lists as does rumi mary oliver's there naruda weirdly emily dickinson is on there on a lot of these lists and even the poem that carrie writes in sex in the city is also included titled Sex in the City. I don't know if you get to do the little interstitial and then I realised moment as part of the poem, probably not. But yeah, all these poems, all these choices, I think we, we kind of have to go for the simple and the smooth. It's a little bit to what I was saying, what Justin Clemens and I were talking about when I chatted with him about the inaugural poem that was read at Biden's inauguration. 
what would it have meant to have a bit of complication in that poem? What would it have meant to have uh, some less than smooth edges, something less than total optimism? It would have been interesting. I don't know if you would ever do that at a wedding. I think that would be pretty weird, pretty pretty bold choice, you know, no matter how you felt. And yeah, I'm wondering as I'm looking at these these poems and thinking about how they land as choices, you know, your Mary Olivers, your Rumi's, Neruda's. Am I saying these are lame choices? There are other better choices out there? I don't think so. I think I think the wedding poem has to do heavy lifting. I think we expect it to create a perfect moment, which is odd because poetry outside of the world of weddings and funerals, it doesn't tend to do that. It tends to complicate more than it simplifies. So it's funny that we end up asking that of poetry in those spaces. And it's even stranger when you think about the fact that this is Again, the space where most people would encounter poetry to the exclusion of any other encounter. A poem at a wedding and a poem at a funeral might be the only times that people come up against poetry in their lives. So it's fascinating to think about what that means for people's impression of what a poem is. I did find one quite fantastic example or suggestion on these listicles for a poem that you could read at a wedding. And I'm going to end with this. It's a poem by Anne Sexton called Admonitions to a Special Person. And I think if you actually read this at a wedding, you wouldn't be popular at the reception. I think this would be a tough sell, but it's on the list. Maybe there are some stanzas here you could use, but um, yeah, this is pretty brutal. This is Anne Sexton's take on, well, I don't think she wrote it as a wedding poem, but um, this is the suggestion. If you wanted to use some Anne Sexton, this is what you could use. Admonitions to a special person. Watch out for power, for its avalanche can bury you. Snow, snow, snow smothering your mountain. Watch out for hate. It can open its mouth and you'll fling yourself out to eat off your leg, an instant leper. Watch out for friends, because when you betray them, as you will, they will bury their heads in the toilet and flush themselves away. Watch out for intellect, because it knows so much it knows nothing, and leaves you hanging upside down, mouthing knowledge as your heart falls out of your mouth. Watch out for games, the actor's part, the speech planned, known, given, for they will give you away, and you will stand like a naked little boy, pissing on your own child bed. Watch out for love, unless it is true, and every part of you says yes, including the toes. It will wrap you up like a mummy, and your scream won't be heard, and none of your running will end. Love? Be it a man, be it a woman, it must be a wave you want to glide in on. Give your body to it, give your laugh to it, give, when the gravelly sand takes you, your tears to the land. To love another is something like prayer, and can't be planned. You just fall into arms because your belief undoes your disbelief. Special person, if I were you, I'd pay no attention to admonitions from me, made somewhat out of your words and somewhat out of mine. A collaboration. 
I do not believe a word I have said, except some, except I think of you like a young tree with pasted on leaves and know you'll root and the real green thing will come. Let go, let go, oh special person, possible leaves. This typewriter likes you on the way to them, but wants to break crystal glasses in celebration for you. When the dark crust is thrown off and you float all around like a happened balloon. Mm-hmm.